With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Jason Powell's Pro Wrestling Boom Podcast, a production of ProWrestling.net. Get ready for the latest news, analysis, and interviews featuring big names from the world of pro wrestling. Here comes the boom! Thank you, Paul Allen, radio voice of the currently coachless and general manager of three Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, it happened. Head coach Mike Zimmer fired. General manager Rick Spielman also relieved of his duties. If you're interested in the job, email me at .netjason at gmail.com. All right, I really don't have that kind of stroke. I wish I did. Let me dream. Hey, my guest today is a longtime pro wrestling radio show host and pro wrestling media personality, his team is also looking for a new coach and general manager, so we'll spend a little time at the very end of the show talking about our terrible teams. Brian Fritz, longtime host of the Between the Ropes podcast, is back on the boom. He attended last night's AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage tapings in Raleigh, North Carolina, so we'll discuss that and more today. Before we get to Brian, .NET members are listening to audio reviews of AEW Battle of the Belts, Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill pay-per-view, WWE Raw, NXT 2.0, and AEW Dynamite. They're also listening to my Q&A audio show for Monday. All of this since just Saturday night. They're still going to hear audio reviews of MLW Azteca, Impact Wrestling, NXT UK, WWE SmackDown, AEW Rampage, and New Japan Strong before the end of the weekend, as well as Friday's .NET Weekly audio show, co-hosted by me and the great Jake Barnett. Best of all, they hear all of this on the ad-free version of ProWrestling.net. In fact, they won't even hear this ad with everything you need to know about .NET membership. If you enjoy the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast and pro wrestling audio content, then I know you're going to love becoming a member of the ad-free version of ProWrestling.net. The members hear the weekly flagship .NET Weekly Audio Show with Jake Barnett and I discussing all the news of the week and sometimes including some first-run news items that have not been reported elsewhere. Members also have access to a decade of audio content with interviews and exclusive audio reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and the list goes on. They also hear our audio reviews of all the major WWE, Ring of Honor, and Impact Wrestling pay-per-views and NXT TakeOver specials. Plus, we're adding more New Japan Pro Wrestling audio content for their major shows. Help support ProWrestling.net and the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast by signing up today at PWMembership.net. Back on the boom, and my guest today is the longtime host of the Between the Ropes podcast, which is uh, 
Well, I think it's on hiatus. Uh, you never know when it's going to come back. I'm always pushing for it. But uh, he is also a longtime member of the pro wrestling media. He's also kind of on hiatus from that. He's just doing his own thing. But he watches a lot of wrestling. And he was at last night's AEW Dynamite show in Raleigh, North Carolina. He is the one, the only, Brian Fritz. Fritzy, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah, you uh, no-showed the last time, so you were um, banned for, for the rest of 2021. That's one way to put it. Yeah, I mean, my hiatus is finally over, um, and so I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that you're allowing me back on your program. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what the circumstances were, but you had to bow out for some, some reason, and it just worked out that you weren't on the rest of 2021, so now I can always say that he was banned for part of 2021. Uh, so tell me about... Last night's AEW Dynamite experience, we'll start with just kind of the basics. Really big venue, going to seem like a small crowd. Was it a small crowd? It kind of was. Um, I mean, the venue, it's, for anybody who doesn't know, here in Raleigh, it's the PNC Arena. And that is the big arena where a lot of the larger concerts come to. That's where the uh, NHL team, the Carolina Hurricanes, play. So, I don't know what their maximum setup would have been. And WWE does shows there too when it comes to like, you know, television as well. Um, but uh, I think it could probably do 10,000, maybe a little bit more the way that they can have it set up. And the way it looked last night, I want to say it was maybe around 4,000, maybe a little bit more. So there's, there was a lot of available seats and, I've chalked this up to a couple of things and, and I don't know, you know, the pandemic might've had something to do with it, obviously, but traditionally in talking to some other friends that have lived in this area a lot longer than me, they, they say Raleigh's not exactly the hottest market for wrestling necessarily. So that might've had a part in it. And it wasn't too long ago. What was it like four weeks ago that, you know, dynamite was in Greensboro, which is only an hour West of Raleigh, and then the Battle of the Belts just took place in Charlotte. That's about two hours away, so I don't know how much that one would have affected this. But, um, yeah, it was it was a lighter-than-normal crowd uh, for this week's Dynamite. And it, is it was it the miking, or from being there in person, was it a quiet crowd? It really didn't seem like it was a super vocal AEW type of crowd. Yeah, it wasn't, and I, I think some of that is... You know, they, they tape an hour of dark matches first, so you go through that, and that is what it is. I mean, I don't know if the, the crowd doesn't get overly stoked for that because it's, you're not always bringing out your, your biggest names, but the crowd was really hot to start the show, and, you know, the opening angle they did with, you know, the Bucks and Adam Cole and Britt Baker and whatnot, um, but it seemed like as, as the show went on, you know, people got quieter and quieter because I... I I think the matches were kind of done out of order or in an order that, you know, was going to be tougher for the crowd to really stay engaged because if you come for the hour of the dark matches and now you're over an hour, hour and a half into the show, you know, you've been sitting around for a little while and, you know, that's when they were doing some matches that I don't think people were as excited about. And, you know, you're going to have that. The crowd is going to go down. And plus, even with the, the matches to begin, you know, Dynamite, it was kind of weird. It was like, it felt like a uh, squash match almost. And then somebody gets a surprise win. And then there's another match and, you know, somebody's getting dominated and they come in and they get the win. So there, it felt like there was a lot of non-competitive matches on the show up until the main event. 
See, I like the first hour of the show. We'll get into that in a minute, though. This whole dark taping thing, you didn't have it so bad. I mean, you're, you're, it's a long night because they're taping dark. Then they go live with Dynamite. Then they record Rampage, and we'll try to avoid spoilers on Rampage. And with you know, unless we have to, if we need to give get into it, we can always give a warning on it. But uh, it, it does make for a really long night. When I went. Technically, my first AEW show it was the night the night before Full Gear. So they did Rampage for an hour. The other probably two hours of the show, give or take, was nothing but dark matches. AEW Dark or Dark Elevation. I don't remember which uh, what they ended up taping. And it was fine for the first hour. The fans are into it, seeing the entrances or you know some of their favorites. And, you know, a little bit different than Dynamite, a Dynamite Rampage taping. You're going to get a little more star power on a show where you're not also doing Dynamite. And so it was fine for the first hour, give or take. And then some indie people that they knew would get the crowd excited. That second half, however long it was leading into Rampage, was death. It's too much. I don't understand their infatuation with taping all of these matches for Dark and Dark Elevation. I don't know why they feel the need to have two YouTube shows. Brian, they say, well, it's our developmental. I mean, not every match is this way, but a lot of them are like two, three-minute matches. Who's really being developed? Yeah, it's tough. You know, there's it's a lot of like local enhancement talent matches that are out there. You don't have very big names, you know, on those shows. And, you know, another weird thing, I think it's a little bit weird, and what they do is, so when you go for, like, a Dynamite show, so if you get there in time to even see all the dark matches, you know, uh, so you sit there an hour of those, uh, then, you know, two hours of Dynamite. And then if they're going to do the Rampage taping afterwards, I mean, all together, that's four hours. Yeah. But they don't start Rampage immediately. They wait, you know, 10 or 15 minutes before they start it in, rather than going right into it. And I think some of that is because they're trying to give the crowd a little bit of a break. But I, I don't know if that helps or hurts when it comes to that because it's already at that point, you know, three hours if you got there for everything. So and, you know, there's times where they're going to lose people, you know, depending on what the programming is, you know, for Dynamite, like. You know, during the show, you could really feel a little bit of a shift when they got to the Serena Deeb, uh, Karashita match. Like, crowd just kind of started to go down. And they thought they were going to get them back when Matt Hardy was taking on Penta. And, you know, Matt Hardy is a North Carolina guy, as we all know. There's a lot of people that are fans of his. And, you know, he got a, he got a nice pop when he came out. But during the match, you kind of feel the crowd just wasn't totally there. And after that, the crowd was was really tired. And crowd was not into the acclaimed against bear country i thought that was kind of weird that they put that match there because you would expect that dip and you know i know that they're like we'll save everybody for the main event they're going to be all excited about this but i i just kind of wondered about the match order and then when it came to the booking that they had in mind for the show um i think that played into the crowd reaction as the night went on Hey gang, it takes a lot of time and effort to produce a show like this, and one way you can support ProWrestling.net is by becoming a member at PWMembership.net. However, there's also an easy and free way to do so. Think of us when you shop at Amazon by simply starting your Amazon shopping at ProWrestling.net slash Amazon. You're not charged any extra, but we receive a small and very helpful commission on what you purchase. 
A big thanks to everyone who has helped out so far. Remember, that's ProWrestling.net slash Amazon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Dark thing, taping all these matches for Dark... What do you think of now? It's easier said than done. Right now, they go on the show for the most part, or go on the road once a week for Dynamite tape Rampage. There, next week I think is a rare week where Rampage is live, and they're doing it from the same venue. If because I, I think they're going to start running into if you go to a Rampage show and you get what I did, and don't get me wrong, I, it was a fun experience. It just I know it could have been better. Instead of just giving people two hours of these dark, dark elevation tapings, whatever they are, leading into a rampage when it's a standalone rampage taping, do you think they would be better off saying, screw this dark stuff and giving people more of a live event experience where they're getting some matches that, you know, maybe you don't give the clean finishes. Maybe you do. I don't know. But it's just taking more of a traditional approach to it. We're, okay, we're not filming this, so let's just give the crowd more of a house show with some matches they want to see, rather than here's your independent local independent guy getting destroyed by one of our regulars. Yeah, just make the experience a little bit shorter, and I think it allows the crowd to stay hot. And I think if you're giving them, you know, between two and three hours of programming, they're getting their money's worth. So, like, if you're going for dynamite, if you wanted. If you want to do like a couple of uh, dark matches, even if they're being taped, you know, for dark or elevation or whatever, um, then I get that. You do that, um, but don't do an hour's worth. Like I said, maybe do just like, like a match or two and you do dynamite. And then if you want to do something afterwards that's just for the local crowd, go for it. And I, I do agree that like, you know, Rampage on Friday night, that was a live experience. Like you said, whether they want to do something that was a house show that wasn't being taped for anything, or even if they had a couple of more matches for dark and then they, they did do something that's there just for the local crowd, but Rampage was live. Um, and, and the other thing is too, when it comes to Rampage, have better matches. Like they've got some of their, you know, top talent on those shows, but it never feels like the matches are 
that big of a deal for the most part. There are some, but there's others that really aren't. And it feels like they're saving those a lot more for dynamite and not, you know, amping up rampage when it comes to their lineups as much. Yeah. It it becomes like a mistake. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when you take the approach. I think they have with rampage where you're, it's to me, it feels premature, even at this stage of the game, let alone as early as they started this going, okay, we're not going to say it's our B show, but we're not giving away our A material on rampage. I'm not saying you should every week, but I, and they have. There have been weeks. Obviously, CM Punk you know made his AEW debut on Rampage. There's been moments, but I don't feel like they're consistent enough with it to really know what they could be doing if they actually made Rampage a little bit more. If they placed a little more emphasis on that show, and the other thing they do is they like to start with their biggest match, and then they kind of start with the big match put whatever in between, and then close with kind of a semi-big match that rarely feels like the true main event of the show. It's the old Saturday night's main event formula. And I understand it a little bit later in the evening and all, but Brian, it's still prime time. You know, What if you just at least tried to take a different approach with it where you actually spent the show kind of in a more traditional sense building to your main actual main event rather than putting it out first? I agree. I mean, I, I've kind of wondered that, you know, when it comes to, you know, what they've done with Dynamite. And I understand some of that is, too, like when they did that recently with like the, the Daniel Bryan Hangman Page matches, it's because they didn't want to give away what they were doing when it came to the length of the matches. Right. So I get it in that aspect. But other times I'm like, I want this show to build to a crescendo. Then that's my main event because that's going to be the most important thing rather than starting this. And when it comes to like Rampage on Friday night, I mean, that's an hour show. It feels like that should just be a hot hour. Like everybody should just be like out of their shoes, you know, just like bang, bang, bang. I I will say this, you know, for Dynamite, we were sitting there and like they did the opening, you know, uh, segment. And then they're showing coming up on the show. Boom, boom. I was like, man, that feels like a lot of stuff they're going to put in this show. And, the show did go at a good pace, and by the end of it, it didn't feel like they crammed too much in, and I thought they were going to. Um, you know, some of the match, like, you know, when they did the Warlow Punk match, I was like, wow, they gave it that much time. And and because they had announced so much stuff, I didn't think they'd be able to do that, but they did. Um, and then some of the other matches, obviously, were short, which, you know, that's all they needed to be. I wasn't sure how much time they were going to give the main event. Um, and what was that match like 10, 12 minutes, something like that, maybe a little bit longer. So it wasn't overly long, but it was long enough. Um, so, you know, they do get a lot of stuff in and, you know, I thought the pacing was really well, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to rampage, I'm like, it's an hour, man. I think you can do a little bit more with it. And I, and I liked the idea of making it a live show. I know there's a cost with doing a show live and whatnot, but you know, it's another event, you know, where you could sell tickets to. And I think it's just going to add to, you know, the look and feel of the show as well. Yeah. It, here's the thing. Like, did I enjoy myself at Rampage? Yeah. And we had full gear the next night, which was a blast. But as a consumer, if I'm buying tickets, if I'm you know, if, if Rampage came back to Minneapolis or St. Paul, I don't think I'd go if it were, you know, I mean, as doing what I do. Yes. But just as a consumer, Looking at Rampage going, well, you gave me two hours or whatever it was of AEW Dark Matches, and then Rampage was okay. 
it, it wasn't anything to write home about. It was a you know decent show, but nothing truly memorable came out of it. And so would I actually spend the money to go see that setup again? No. And I just wonder how many people would take a similar or of the same mindset. Like, yeah, it was fun. But when he comes back, you start thinking, of, ah, that's right, they didn't. And Rampage is what it is. Maybe, you know, if there's like a, a lineup for Rampage that looks loaded, that might sway me. But it's just the overall experience just becomes a little too much where if you did spend two hours or, you know, a portion of those two hours giving people some bigger matches, I do think you would turn it into the party that, you know, Dynamite originally felt like. And there's still weeks where it does feel like that. But. When you start giving people these matches that they're lukewarm on, you're just bringing the experience down. And it's unfortunate. It doesn't have to be that way. And, and I do believe that if they loaded up those, uh, you know, the, the the true dark segments, the two hours leading into a live rampage, just, you know, assuming they're on the East Coast or the, the uh, Midwest or something, it'll be a different setup with they, when, once they start doing West Coast stuff uh, with rampage. But uh, if you load that up, I think you can go live more often if they want to. I think you can if people feel like they're going to see the stars, not just see them squashing somebody and moving on, but actual in actual matches, I think naturally you're going to sell more tickets for it. Um, so, yeah, it's an ongoing issue that I have with AEW, uh, but there's a lot to like about this product, too. Um, one of the things that I liked about uh, last night's show was you mentioned the, the, the CM Punk and Wardlow match. I thought it was really good storytelling. I've heard some conflicting perspectives on this from people who didn't like it for a number of reasons. What did you think when you were watching Wardlow destroy Punk and then you see Punk steal the win with a schoolboy or an inside cradle? Well, it felt like to me like Punk was going to win no matter what. Yeah. And and I really wondered, like, going into the match, like, is this where we really start to see the breakup between Wardlow and MJF take that next step? Like, I thought the finish was going to be... Warlow's going to get a lot of the offense here, and they're going to do the thing where, you know, the rep is down, there's guys back turned, whatever. MJF gets up on the apron, tries to hit Punk, you know, with the ring. He misses. He hits Warlow. Punk knocks him off the apron, hits his finisher on Warlow, gets the win, right? Everybody's protected. Punk gets a strong win. There's, you know, more animosity between MJF and Warlow. But that's not what they did. I mean, this it was something totally different where Punk just gets dominated and took powerbomb after powerbomb. And every time I'm sitting there going, all right, this is the one where he floats over and, you know, you know does something, whether it's a finisher or whatever he's going to do. And that was not the case. I mean, they, they destroyed Punk. I mean, they made Wardlow look like a monster. And, you know, Punk still got the win, but it was unusual for somebody that, you know, is on the level of Punk and somebody with, like Wardlow, because Wardlow has been protected, but he's never been put as a singles main event guy. So it kind of put him in that position as well, or at least closer to it, and something that we haven't seen yet, you know, in that dynamic of him, you know, in AEW and even in his pairing with MJF. So it, it was different in the moment, and I couldn't, I was trying to grasp if I really liked it or not, but I mean, I totally understand why they did it, and it, and it stands out because it is something that is unusual, you know, to see. It, I was joking with a friend of mine. I go, well, if you ever wanted to compare WWE and AEW, I can't imagine them ever doing this in WWE. 
And if because remember, it's all 50-50 booking there, and we all complain about. I go in. If you didn't think wins and losses were not the top priority in AEW, this is a prime example of why it is. Because all they cared about at the end was Punk got the win. Didn't matter how, and he got destroyed up until that moment. But he got that W on his record, and he remains unbeaten in AEW. Yeah, and granted, he steals the win. And if, if people, I, I don't know if I, I haven't really heard this from the, the naysayers yet, but if there is any thought that, well, man, Punk looks really bad in defeat, he's CM Punk. He's going to be fine. I mean, you can't He'll do this fine. to him every week or anything like that, but you can certainly get away with doing it once in a while. And it reminded me of Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee when Brody destroyed. Cody and Grant was a lot shorter match. There were different circumstances, and Brody actually won and won the TNT Championship. But I like that it is different compared to WWE. I like that you do get to see a different type of storytelling because to me it was compelling. What like Wardlow just destroying this guy? So Wardlow technically loses the match, but man, did he come out of this looking like a million bucks? Even though he yeah. was pinned, and what's Wardlow's ceiling? How do you see his future? ProWrestling.net is the place to go for news and analysis, live television and major event reviews, opinion pieces, and so much more. If you want to keep up on the very latest in professional wrestling, then search no further than ProWrestling.net. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I mean, I think he can legit be a main eventer in AEW. Yeah. Um, and just build him up because and he would almost be like this homegrown product because obviously we haven't seen him in WWE. It could be kind of their guy that they push, you know, kind of from the ground up, you know, to truly be a star in the company. I mean, he, he looks the role, you know, and you know, you want to see him get more ring time and see how good he is in the ring. It's it's hard to tell with a match like this because he dominates so much, but I don't think he's bad in the ring at all. So I, I think there's a very high ceiling when it comes to, you know, his potential in, in that company. And, and I think it's a smart thing to push him from a standpoint like 
he isn't somebody that's been in WWE or been on a big platform before. You could see the rise every step of the way. People can go on for that ride. Um, and he looks the part if he's going to be the world champion because he is impressive with his size. I know he's a little bit older. I just looked it up. He is... Uh... 33 years old just that's that's nothing in today's wrestling yeah he'll be 34 later this month and and you're right that is nothing but so it makes me wonder like i know the other guys are younger that they always talk about the pillars what are he's thinking when he's never mentioned as one of the the pillars of this company well i mean that's good sometimes for people to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder say i'll show you you know and you know and he should get an opportunity and i I think he's in a good position of being alongside MJF and the way that he's used. And now they're breaking him up because they do see something with him and, and hopefully they utilize that. And, you know, when it came to the point that you said that it is something different and something we saw before, and you mentioned, you know, like Cody and, and Brody Lee, like I like that they do this sometimes because even in professional sports, you can see two really good teams in just, Whatever happens on that one given day, one team can dominate the other. Doesn't mean the other one's necessarily bad. Just means maybe they had an off night or you uh, know, Tony Khan might know something about that from Sunday. <laughs> right. You know, so I mean, you know, there's all these different factors that can go into it. And I almost I wanna see Punk say, you know, like, Hey, Warlow, you had me on this night. You 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 got me. You know, you rattled me, you hit me with those power bombs. I still came away with the win and you know, I, I wanna do it again. You know, something like that. Like he can, he can put the guy over in a promo and say, "But you know, I'm not backing down." You know, and the next time it might be my night. You know, and I, I welcome uh, the next time we get in the ring together against one another because we we see this all the time. Like I said in in professional sports, and it doesn't. It's not a bad thing. You know, I, hey, I, I'm looking forward to some different rematches we're going to see in the NFL playoffs, and there's been teams. Uh, that could potentially face off against one another, and one team dominated the other in the regular season. And they could come. The other team could come back and beat them in the playoffs. We, heck, how many times have we seen that in the past? Where like a team has gotten beat by the same team twice during the regular season, and then they face off in a third time in the playoffs, and the team that lost both those games before actually wins and moves on. I think we saw it last year with Tampa. I think the Saints owned them in the regular season, and then Tampa didn't they beat them in the playoffs? I believe so. So I mean that, and that it's funny because in the NFL it's like this little curse thing, like oh. Yeah, you, you know, if you beat a team twice in a row, you don't want to face them a third time in the playoffs because it seems like. Even though statistically, it's been proven, like, yeah, there's nothing to. Believe me, I said, right. you know, it's tough to beat the same team three times, and then statistically, like, yeah, it's not as tough as as we like yeah. to think. <laughs> right, but, but I mean, it. it but it, it can happen. This is something that that does happen in real life, and so I, and I think it's good to utilize that in pro wrestling. Like, not everything has to be a back and forth. There's going to definitely be some, and you you know, but every now and then, I don't think it's bad, even for a title change, like out of the blue, to you know especially when it comes to the secondary titles and say, Oh, well, guess what? Somebody got crushed on this night. Like, Hey, that guy was on a hot streak. He was rolling and he had his number that night. I try to think. Yeah, no, I try to think of our uh, non football uh, fan listeners. Uh, So what I was referring to with Tony common knows something about that from Sunday, the Jaguars record wise, the worst team in the league, they will have the number one pick in the NFL draft because of it next year. They faced the Indianapolis Colts team that was expected to just roll over the Jaguars because they needed the win to make the playoffs. And it was just like almost a foregone conclusion, except for, well, the Jaguars dominated the 
Colts. And uh, them. yeah, I couldn't. I just kept waiting. I wasn't paying close attention to that game at all because I just kept waiting for the the shoe to drop. You know, like okay, here, when's it happening? And it never did. And so the Colts find themselves out of the playoffs. And so yeah, that's uh, just wanted to mention that. Uh, what's the? I know it's only one crowd, but. How are fans reacting to MJF? Are there, is it unanimously, they're booing him? Or are there some people cheering him in that mix? Most people boo him. There are a few people that cheer him. But, like, I've been to uh, a couple of AEW shows over the last month where he's appeared. And for the most part, people boo him. There are, there are always going to be some outliers that are going to cheer him. but And I think people really are entertained by him so that they enjoy booing him. Because I, I went to the uh, the Dynamite show that they did in Greensboro about a month ago, and he was on that, and then you know the show that they just did last night here in Raleigh. So, yeah, I, I think most people know it'll play along, you know. And there's some people that just enjoy booing him. There's other people that um, will boo him because they really dislike him. But and you, you you hear a few cheers, but for the most part, people are are booing him and treating him with the disdain that he deserves. That's good. I mean, you know, people can do what they want, but a guy working that hard to get heat, I think it's uh, it's nice that he's being rewarded with that, if you will. Right. And uh, the guy that I think that gets just as much heat and sometimes more, depending, is Dan Lambert. Oh, my God, when yeah. he comes out. like, And the funny thing is, I love it when they do the whole, like, he's talking and you can hear him, but you don't see him yet thing. And, he's, and then he appears, everybody's like, they're already booing when they hear the voice like, oh, my God, I think that's Dan Lambert. Boo. And then, like, then you see him. Boo. People just go crazy. And, it's, and that guy's he is a hell of a promo. He is. Is it is it all good heat? Do you think there's a little bit of negative heat in there, too, in terms of get go away heat with him? I don't think so. Maybe maybe there is a little bit. Maybe I'm blinded by it. But I, I tend to think it's the right kind of heat. Yeah. You know, you know because that guy, man, he just he just cuts into people. The way that he does it too. Now I think people are surprised at how good he is on the mic because you don't think of him as a traditional wrestling guy. He's from like the outside world, and he totally gets it, man. I mean, the promos that he cuts are just so scathing, and there and it doesn't feel like it's scripted. It doesn't feel like there's any lulls in it. That dude's talking at a pace, and he is just snapping into people. My only criticism, I think there are times where he gets on a roll. And he's trying to cram too much in, where once in a while, slow down a little bit, let something pack a punch before you move on to the next insult. Sure. Yeah, he is getting a lot in because I, that dude's rattling things off at a quick pace. Dante Martin, Powerhouse Ops, kind of similar to the opening match, not identical. I, I wrote that I would have put some distance between those two. I enjoyed the match, but I would have put some distance between that and the Punk and Wardlow match. What did you think? It felt like the same kind of booking because it was like one guy dominated the other guy and the guy that got dominated ended up getting the win. Yeah. And I, that's why I was a little bit surprised. I was like, all right, so Punk gets dominated, gets the win. Hobbs uh, dominates Martin, but Martin gets the win. Uh, and then I believe the next match was the women's match and they did the injury beforehand and Serena Deeb dominates Sheeta, she gets the win. It was just like, or actually, but, but uh, Serena got the win in that one. It wasn't... Uh, She'd have pulled out the win. But anyway, it just felt like one person was dominating the other person match after match. So we didn't get a really true uh, competitive match, I think, until Matt Hardy against Penta. And that was in the second hour of the show. 
Was there any confusion with the, that you picked up on from the opening segment with Britt and Adam Cole? I was listening to Wade Keller's Pro Wrestling Post Show, caught some of that, and a caller was up in arms because he's like, they've never explained this, that they're actually a couple. And I didn't think much of it, but at the time, you know, going in, it's like, okay, I, I know, but I think he's right. You know, they could at least do a better job of explaining that to, to people. It doesn't take much. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think there was confusion, at least by the people that I was around or the reaction that we saw. But um, I do agree because not everybody is going to be that well informed in, in knowing, you know, that they are a couple. And it's not like... Um, I mean, they've been very public about it and everything, and they've talked about it in interviews and whatnot, but it doesn't mean that it can't be explained, you know, on television. I mean, he's, I think Cole has made, you know, a brief reference to it, and so has Britt, but it's never been flat out like, hey, we're a couple, and they haven't appeared together until they did it uh, last night at Dynamite. So, yeah, that, that can be explained a little bit better. And how's Hangman Page with, with the crowd reaction? Huge. And, but Good. remember, too, you're in North Carolina. I mean, this is, this is page country over here. So, um, mind you, I I kind of want to find that Smokey Bear shirt that he was wearing. Um, <laughs> I I thought that was quite the look, though, the way he pulled it off with the cowboy uh, vest. Um, that was that was something that not everybody can pull off that look. Did you find his defense for being a wrestling cowboy to be a good one? Yeah, absolutely. I, so the part about, he, I mean, he, he had me at, okay, I grew up on a cattle farm, 90 minutes from here. I mean, right there. Okay, cowboy. The part about t- turning down an offer to be with the startup group, eh, not so much. I don't know what, I mean, that has nothing to do with being a cowboy. I mean, I, I agree with that. Like, the part about I worked at a cattle ranch, yeah, you're a cowboy then at that point. But the other stuff, so what? <laughs> Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have much to say about Deep Destroying Sheet. I think you kind of covered it. 
so I guess your thoughts on Matt Hardy and the Penta uh, match. I have to go back and watch this one again. Uh, they went crazy in that second hour, and I was scrambling to keep up, and it was one of those things where if I don't speed ahead now, I'm going to miss it, and I actually have to do that before I get my new direct TV receiver. Otherwise, Brian, all my shows that are on DVR are going away. This is a sad day. Thank God for streaming. Wow. You're going to be okay? You're going to make it? I mean, have you have you written down all the things that have been in your DVR that you'll have to find elsewhere? I, I know the basic stuff that I know I can find. There's just some hidden gems that, you know, like a Guns N' Roses concert from back in the day. Just little things like that that aired on Access TV, I think, or something. Just little weird things that the average person wouldn't have even recorded. But, you know, me being me, I had to. And not that I go back and watch it on a regular basis. I just feel comfort in knowing that it's there. And now that comfort is going to be stripped away from me. Well, now you get to go once they install the new, you know, receiver and DVR that you get to go through and set all the recordings for everything that you want and need to record. And then there's going to be something that you forget and then you're going to miss it. Uh, Man, now you're just giving me anxiety. So talk about Hardy and Penta, damn it. <laughs> no, I mean they had a good solid match. I mean, I, I don't think it was in question. To me, it was not in question who was going to win though. And maybe it was for some other people because you're in North Carolina, but I was like, there is no way that Matt Hardy is gonna beat Penta. It's just not gonna happen. I you know, and Matt's always gonna get a great reaction. He can still go out there, he can still have a really good match. Um but now it's time for them to move on, you know, with with Penta and do something different and we'll see where he's going to go when it comes to his singles career right now because of you know phoenix being injured and he's going to be out for i don't know what two three months at least i would think so um and and you know if they want to ever do something again with penta and matt they can and they'll probably do it in tag team action and i would not be surprised if we saw that at some point where penta and and, uh phoenix were taking on matt and jeff hardy yeah, I think it's uh, only a matter of time before Jeff arrives in AEW. Speaking of tag team action, the acclaimed against Bear Country. Oh, crowd was not into this one, shall we say. Um, and I was surprised how much time they got because I thought this was going to be like a three-minute match, and they went twice as long at least. It just felt at this point the crowd was tired. They didn't know, you know, Anthony Bowens or um, Bear Bronson. So, or excuse me, I mean, Bear Bronson and Bear Boulder. They know Anthony Bowens is part of the acclaim, but they didn't, they didn't know the guys from Bear Country. So, you know, and I was surprised they got in the offense that they did. But it was, I think the crowd was just ready to move on and get to the main event at that point. Yeah, the acclaimed is a nice act because, you know, even if you've never seen them, let's say it's your first wrestling show, you go along with somebody. Okay, they come out, they do the rap, they're yelling at the crowd. You know they're heels. You're supposed to boo these guys. Bear Country to this day, I have no idea. I watch this week in and week out. I don't know what we're supposed to think of Bear Country. We never hear from them. No, we don't. And those are some big boys, too. But uh, I, I don't know what to think of them. And, like, it just felt like we got to put something here. That I kind of thought, like, I know that they want to try to get the crowd uh, in that spot to be excited about the main event, but I, you know, when you're 90 minutes into a show and you've already done an hour's worth of dark matches, 
I question putting this match on here. And I, it's it's tough to find a spot for it. Like, you want to put it on the first hour when you're still trying to attract people, you know, to come into the show. Um, and it, But if you put it on here, I do wonder, like, does that make people tune out because they're not into this match? I would love to see the minute by minutes for this. It just really did seem like that's where the crowd just faded, and I couldn't blame them. Like, I found interest in the match because I do like the acclaimed a lot, and I think there is some, you know, Bear Country's raw. I just, I don't, unless you're going to, they don't belong on Dynamite, and it's not their fault. If you're not going to really explain who the hell they are, what we're supposed to, you know, make us feel something about them, then they they don't belong. And so it's not on them. It's on creative at this point for not doing more with them. And you know, it's not like they can't be there, but like you said, you couldn't believe how much time this match ended up getting. And that's just it. Like, cut to it. You can have them on there, but... I, I mean, if unless you're trying to tell a story with them in the ring and how dominant they are or something, which wasn't it, yeah, it's just, I don't know. And then the post-match, the, the acclaimed get beat up by Sting and Darby Allen going into next week's match. That was like out of nowhere, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, they've had issues. It, to me, I don't know. I mean, I, my first thought is, okay, the heels got beat up. Are they actually going to steal the win next week? I don't know if this is Tony overthinking things, Tony Khan, and going, well, if I have Sting and Darby destroy them this week, people are going to assume that the Acclaimed are going to win, and then they'll be surprised when they don't. I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but I didn't like it. It didn't make me more excited to see the match, that's for sure. Put some heat on the heels. Yeah, and and by the way, when it comes to, you know, the live experience of being there for Dynamite, you know, there are backstage segments where there's some of it, what you see, but there's other like pre-tape stuff they don't show in the arena. Like they did the um, interview that uh, Tony Schiavone did with Arn Anderson and uh, and Brock Anderson, Lee Johnson, then you know FTR Tully come in there. Like we did not see that. Like I found out about that after the show. Oh wow! I yeah, there's why. some. Yeah, but I mean they like, but when they did the announcement that they're going to do the mixed tag match next week. That we saw, and and people popped for that too. Um, so that they showed you the sprint through the next five hundred matches that they're having. That they do every week. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but I, I mean, you tell me. And I mean, I I fully expected that we we're going to see some mixed tag matches with you know Adam Cole and Britt Baker at some point. I am surprised that they are doing it this quick and doing it on TV. I kind of thought it was going to be like we're going to build up to this point down the line. We can say and put them together. You know, like people know that they're, you know, a couple, but we're not just going to instantly have a mixed tag match. I thought that was something they build up to down the line. And then just out of nowhere, like, hey, by the way, they're together. Oh, and they're going to do a mixed tag team match next week. Yeah, that was a little strange, especially for the feud with the best friends that they just continue to dominate. Where are you on best friends? I look at them and I just see Orange Cassidy and friends. I don't. Like, has Wheeler Ute, Wheeler Ute, I think, has said about as much as the freaking Bear Country duo so far. Right. No, I'm with you. And that's that's the way I look at it, too. It's like Orange Cassidy and his bros. It's kind of the way I look at it. And, and give Orange Cassidy all the credit in the world because I remember going into AEW, I wondered, like, okay, how is this gimmick going to get over in a national television audience? And it's worked. 
I mean, I give, like I said, I give him all the credit in the world, and people really love what he does, and I think it's shown in the ratings as well. So they've got something with him, obviously. But when it comes to the other guys, it just feels like, eh, they kind of hang out with him. It'll be and before it was like there's the best friends, and Orange Cassidy hangs out with them, and now it feels like that dynamic has changed. Yeah, I just, there's not a lot of mic work to go around with that group and yeah it's like okay we know Trent's mom shows up once in a while beyond that not a lot to it at least Trent has his last name back <laughs> there is that yeah. I always thought like so limiting like okay yeah Trent is going to challenge for the world championship no you, the guy needs a last name and so uh, he got that back that's nice uh, we had uh, the, like what's going on with Matt Hardy and Private Party and Andrade is this moving hard are they finally doing away with the hardy family office it's been a complete bust yeah i hope so they need to get out of that and i think they do need to break that up especially if they believe know that jeff is coming in and they want to put him you know as a tag team again with his brother then there's no point having you know the hardy family group so uh, hopefully that's where they go and it was weird because even before they did that you know, they when you're watching the show, like we, I even looked up on the big screen, and they have the scroll of like match results from like dark matches, and Andrade was up there, and I was like, wow, it's it's so weird. It does, like nothing against being on the dark matches, but it's like Andrade just feels like a guy should be on the main show. Yes, you know. And then you watch that, and like ah, that's kind of strange. And then boom, there he was. He was you know on the show, not in a match, but they did the backstage, you know, segments, and we'll see where this goes. So. Hopefully that's what they do, because um, like you said, I don't think I don't think that grouping has really worked out. Um, I think private parties fine on their own. Uh, Matt can go off, and whether he's going to continue in singles or if his brother does come in and they pair them up, that makes a lot of sense as well. But I don't I don't think they need to be doing that faction much longer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I did breeze over the big debut of the night. Um, they ended up uh, having Brody King arrive. 
before we get to that, the dynamic between the Varsity Blondes, it seemed like Pillman and Garrison were out for revenge. Uh, they joined Matt Hardy, I think it was, or Pent, I should say, in beating up uh, Malachi Black, I still want to say Alistair. And Julia Hart was the one saying, no, no, no. Is this a case of she took the mist, it changed her, and she's going to be part of the House of Black? See, I didn't take it as that. I kind of took it as because when it came out, I was like, oh, three baby faces are beating up on the one heel. And I almost wondered if it was kind of a thing like, no, 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 guys, don't do that. We can't we can't be the bad guys ganging up on this dude. Hmm. Maybe that's kind of the what I yeah. think. But, you know, when you said that, I mean, I read your report, too. Um, I, I was like, oh, well, maybe that is something. But I don't know. I didn't get that sense necessarily. But. You know, maybe that's where they're gonna go, and yeah, I, I, I do like that. Malachi Black is down, like on his knees, and he starts pointing at him, and he's like, one, two, three, and then you're thinking like, and the lights go out, and you're like, okay, are there gonna be two people that show up? Nope, we only need one other guy. Now, mind you, it's a big dude, Bertie King, and they were able to clean house. Um, but I, I think a lot of people are wondering, like, how many people are going to come down. And I think a lot of people wonder, too, if it was going to be Bray Wyatt with the lights go out. And, like, is that a match, you know, with that grouping? But I think Brody King, you know, the, when it comes to the look and everything that makes sense with uh, a pairing for, for Malachi, he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. And they team together in PWG, so they, they have some in-ring experience together as well. And I, I like that. I think, um, and, and I didn't, like, I think there's a lot of upside in Brody King. I think he's very talented. I didn't see him, I, I didn't, when he was the leader of the faction in Ring of Honor, like, it was okay for Ring of Honor. I don't think he is, I don't see him as the guy that's going to be the singles threat to win the championship or anything like that. There's just something still missing that maybe it will be there as his story is told as he gets more mic time we'll see but i just didn't view him that way and so i think they have him slotted properly as being kind of the second to malachi black in this group right malachi needs to be the leader of that group i will say this too because they did this twice on this show and it's not like it's it's something they've utilized a lot but i do wonder is aew doing the whole lights go off lights come back on gimmick a little bit too much oh yeah no doubt about it even i mean jim ross mocks them on their (laughs) own show that's not good (laughs) i mean it's 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 honest and you know i will say this too the people around me there's a lot of people around me they didn't know who brody was at first i'm not surprised you know there's yeah I think to the AEW audience, the the majority of them being the diehard wrestling fans are going to know, but people who are a little more casual know. I mean, he's been in Ring of Honor, and let's face it, it wasn't the most visible period of Ring of Honor's history. Right, yes, because, I mean, I said out loud, I was like, oh, it's Brody King, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's like like they had heard the name before, but they didn't identify him. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and, I mean, he's a big guy that's really agile and— We'll see if he can, you know, take that next step, you know, getting this opportunity in AEW, and it's a good spot, you know, being on somebody he's familiar working with. And every time you go, someone new debuts, right? They do. I mean, I just want to tell everybody, you want if you want an exciting show with a debut, you want me there. I was at Greensboro. Kyle O'Reilly appears. I go this week. Brody King is there. I mean, 
if anybody wants to fly me up to Cleveland, you know, later on in the month, maybe we'll get a debut there. I mean, come on. <laughs> I saw the debut, the AW debut of Ari Devari on Rampage, which was fun because he's a hometown guy and worked with fellow hometown guy Dante Martin. So that was really cool. And then the next night at Full Gear, Jay Lethal. I was okay. Yeah, nothing against Jay Lethal. I mean, it was it was really well received by the crowd. I got to admit, you know, some of the bigger names out there, I, I was kind of surprised that people were as excited about it. Like, it's Jay Lethal. It's nice, but I wasn't like wowed by it. What do you make of Jay Lethal's um, music? That is the beginning riffs of the old Macho Man theme, and then it goes into something a little bit different, but kind of close. Yeah, I I never want to think of Black Machismo again. I, I know some people enjoy it and get a kick out of it, and that's great. But he, when he went back to Ring of Honor, it took him a long time to make people forget that from the TNA days. And I there was some question as to whether or not it was going to happen, because that's just what he became. He was the, the guy who did the impersonations, Ric Flair, Randy Savage, and whoever. And when he went back to Ring of Honor, you know, it's like that's how people are seeing him. And it took a long time. And he eventually did make them forget. And he won, you know, both of the championships simultaneously and had, of course, a really long, good run with them. I mean, I think because he's proven that he can make people forget, it's probably okay. But yeah, I just I, I don't need to think of that when I think of Jay Lethal. I I totally agree. I was kind of surprised by it. I was just like, oh, they're really playing into that when it comes to the music. I was like, okay. And and you know, he's one of these guys too that I don't know what kind of deal he's on, but I think it's I think it's only like a certain number of dates kind of deal. So that's why we don't see him that often. But you know, he was on the show uh, last night. And then the main event was Sammy Guevara facing Daniel Garcia. Guevara retains the interim TNT Championship. Uh, do you think that they, before we get into that, do you think that they were excited to have David Crockett and now he just keeps showing up like, oh, Crockett's here again. God damn yeah. it. We got to have him hand out the title. Yeah. David Crockett again. All right, man. <laughs> I, 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 I said Poor David Crockett. start taping, but man, he's in the ring and he's handing the title to Sammy. And I'm like, and you could tell that they're going to do an angle in the ring. And I'm like. Get Crockett out of the ring. <laughs> and, then, and the next thing you know, they're like hurriedly shoving him out of the ring because they're doing the angle and getting attacked. And he almost got hit. And I was like, get that dude out of there, man. <laughs> I'm like, he has no lateral movement. Get him out. <laughs> and I'm all kidding. It was nice to see him again. Even if we just, you know, we just saw him. Hey, what the heck? They're in the area. He's, he must be having a good time going to these shows. That's cool. But He's the been at every show in the area that I went to, like all three of the shows, David Crockett was there every time. So you're not the return guy. You're the, you, if you show up, David Crockett shows up. That's true. I mean, they, nobody debuted at Battle of the Belts, but. Well, David Crockett did. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he was there. I think he was at the Greensboro show, too, though, wasn't he? I don't remember. Uh, I know yeah, he's been maybe. at least a couple now. If not, yeah, he might have been at all of them. He, he was definitely, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering that one, but he was definitely at Battle of the Belts in Charlotte, yeah. <laughs> uh, your thoughts on Guevara and Daniel Garcia, and how did the crowd take to this? They weren't as hot as I'm sure they would hope for a main event. And, you know, I think this is part of Long Night, but also, it's and it's nothing against Sammy necessarily or Daniel, but it's like they're not the biggest names there. Sammy's obviously a bigger name, and you know AEW is trying to do a lot more with them lately. But when it comes to Daniel Garcia, 
He's kind of a newer guy that I think people are still getting kind of used to. They're not very familiar with his work. I was a little bit surprised that they put him in this position of a main event um, for television already. But, I mean, they had a good, solid match. I mean, I don't think it was anything that uh, was amazing, but there was nothing bad about it. And then they did the angle afterwards, um, you know, where, you know, Matt Lee and Jeff Parker ran in and they go after Jericho and Kingston, who are there at ringside. So, but I mean, it was, it was fine, but it just it didn't necessarily feel like it was a main event match. It's tough when you never give Garcia meaningful victories on anything yeah. other than the dark shows. And, you know, they just keep putting them or him in 2.0 out there. And, and I don't understand it. It It's not that it's not so much what 2.0 was in their ever rise days. When they, you know, because they spend most of their time on 205 Live, we're on NXT a little bit. So it's not even like the masses saw them, and that's fine. And you can reinvent people, but they still feel like pest heels to me. And I don't know why they keep getting so much television time. They're clearly cramming these shows with run ins and people at ringside and everything else to get people all this time on television, yet they have no problem finding match after match and angle after angle for 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, who rarely, if ever, win. I know that they want to utilize a lot of their talent, but I I just wonder, like, how are you going to utilize them? What is the best spot? What's the best positioning? Because that's cool that you're giving guys different opportunities, but you have to maximize on your television time that you have. And I don't know if that's the best use of it for guys that people still aren't that familiar with and aren't looking at as like, oh, they're guys that should be a part of a main event angle, you know, even though it's on television. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And stop telling us how good Daniel Garcia is. Look, we can see it in the room. You know, the guy definitely good. But for the more casual viewer... Well, do the obvious and let him start beating people. That's going to tell them how good he is. Especially in a company that prides itself on wins and losses so much. Yeah, like what was he even doing getting a title shot? I don't know. I, I'm i not sure. Like that just kind of came out of nowhere that they, you know, set up that angle 
you know, um, on Saturday night, battle of the belts, and then boom, here we are. And you know, he's, I guess, just because you know he attacks Sammy, <laughs> then he instantly gets a you know a title shot, which. You know, I mean, that that's kind of the tried and true way to, to set up a, you know, a title match. But it's not always the formula they do at AEW where they're trying to do this rankings and, you know, who's got the wins and losses that justify who gets a title shot and who doesn't. And how do Alex Reynolds and John Silver appear in the top five? Let me guess. They won a bunch of matches on Dark. Probably. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of that, as people can probably tell by now. Uh, where are you on the Kingston and Jericho feud? It, for me, it's getting a little repetitive. Like, Can we just it, move to the next chapter, please? Yeah, it's like, oh, what's what's the next step in this? You know, like, uh, and, and I don't know why they're waiting, uh, why they haven't pulled the trigger a little bit more on this. Uh, I don't know if it's just because of just what the schedule is going to be for them or um, what's going on? But yeah, I do want to see like the next step because it came off after the way they both got beat up. It was just like, okay, or maybe they're gonna team up first before they go against 2.0. Like even though they have animosity against one another, they both share a common enemy. So are we gonna see that first, or what direction are they going in with this? Let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble build and just. Uh... The I mean, they, they rolled out a bunch of legends. I was kind of surprised that they did it the way they did. Like, yeah, I got some buzz that Friday night when they unexpectedly announced a bunch of uh, surprises that you know people that would normally be saved as surprises for the Rumble match on the women's side. I would have staggered it out at least you know, to not give so many away in one night. But obviously the big one is Mickey James, the current Knockouts champion. It was uh, among the uh, people announced for the Rumble match. Uh, where are you as far as your Rumble predictions? Uh, who's winning these two matches? I'm not exactly sure where they're going with this right now just because of some of the recent events that they've had, like with Brock winning back the title, which is not something that we really saw at first. By the way, I get it. The people are talking about Mickey James being a part of this, and I think that's great. But there's so many people talking about the forbidden door <laughs> and everything. I'm like, just cool your jets, man. Like, and by the way, God, wrestling fans are so passionate. God bless you. We went to, I say we, me and some friends went to the show uh, on Saturday night in Charlotte, and somebody we were sitting next to was talking about that, going, oh, the forbidden door is open, and, you know, that's when Impact was doing Hard to Kill that same night, right? The yeah. pay-per-view. And he goes, I wouldn't be surprised if some WWE talent showed up on that show, <laughs> kind of like a little talent exchange. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't think that's happening, Chief. Uh, well, let them dream, you know. Exactly. I'm like, hey, you know, we'll see about that one. Um, I don't think don't get your hopes up. Um, but I the the men's side I think is a little bit stranger on where exactly they're going to go. I I would think I would think that Bianca's gonna win the women's match. I would think. Um but when it comes to the men's match, I, I'm not exactly sure what direction they're going to go in. Like, is Big E going to win, you know, a shot back? Um, I might have guessed Seth, but obviously Seth is not going to be facing, you know, Roman Reigns on that show for the title uh, for the Universal Championship. So, I, I mean, the, the thing that I like about, I mean, 
is it's kind of up in the air to where you really wonder, like, who is going to win. Now, mind you, it's not like, oh, there's 20 different people I can see winning this match, because that's not going to be the case. There's always going to be, like, just a couple. Um, but right now, I think it's it's very open-ended on where they're going to go, because they did do that change of booking, you know, once Roman couldn't be part of that day one show, and them, you know, putting the title on Brock. Right now, I'm personally leading Big E in a redemption. Seeing him lose clean like he did on Raw really triggered that because they're still giving him mic time. He's he's delivering you know, good fiery promos and things, and so it doesn't seem like, oh, they've just given up on this guy, and that's why he's losing. I think they're telling a story with him, but it doesn't have to be the Rumble either. We don't know if they're doing the Elimination Chamber, uh, if they're going to do that in Saudi Arabia, if there's even going to be a Saudi show. You'd think they would have something advertised by now, but nothing yet. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, if, you, if for some reason, if it's COVID-related or what have you, they don't go to Saudi Arabia— I'd just do the chamber matches on TV and try to pop numbers that way if we're, if we're up to me. But one way or another, I think Big E gets into a WrestleMania main event uh, against Lashley would be my guess. And that means that I think Brock is going to be screwed out of the title by Heyman. He ends up going after Roman. And on the women's side, I am, I'm with you in leaning Bianca. I also kind of feel like, is that just too easy? Um, is because it feels like all of our picks, everyone is going Bianca. I, my guard is up ever so slightly for Sasha Banks. I know she's injured. When's the last time WWE bothered to put out an injury update on anyone? Right, and we don't even know the severity of it. Like It's not something where they can keep her off the road. Maybe she'll be feeling better by the time the Rumble rolls around. And you can protect yourself in the Rumble as well. Like She could come in late, she doesn't have to do too much, and she could win it. Um, even if she is a, at a hundred percent, yeah, I just I saw that and was like, this is weird that they're. They, I think they should do it more often. You know, why not get traffic for your own website instead of leaking out the info as they often do? Uh, but I, you know, for them to actually say, here's the timeline, that's just not like them. And so it did make me think, all right, are they trying to you know mislead people with this? Uh, so it'll be a surprise when she shows up. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. I, you know, good for them if that's so what they have in mind. But yeah, so my guard's up just a little bit that Sasha somehow is back for the Rumble, but we'll see. And I mean, any anything jumping out to you? I mean, I think we all assume Brock and Roman right now for Mania. Um, if you, I assume you feel the same. If you don't, let me know. But uh, what do you think happens in that other title match? Yeah, that's that's where it's kind of this toss up. And I and I, I think um I think Brock and Roman is definitely the direction they're going. I think it would have been no matter what. I'm curious to see uh if Drew McIntyre might have been involved in some way if he's healthy enough for this. And then we don't know what his status is right now, if he's gonna be a part of Mania or not. Um maybe it was gonna be something where um Drew wouldn't be in the title picture for either world title when it came to WrestleMania, but maybe right thereafter, you know, and then depending on his health, that could still, you know, happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see Big E get that opportunity on that stage because they had something with Big E and then they, they cut it off just because of the change in booking. And, you know, I know there's been some questions about whether or not he was going to retain at, at day one, if they did not have to change the card. But yeah, I would definitely like to see him in that. And if they wanted to do, you know, something with him and, and Lashley, I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, 
The only other thing that they could do is if Roman was the one that was screwed out of the title by Brock and then Seth actually beat Roman for the Universal Championship. Mm-hmm. But that but that feels that would be quite the curveball because I can't imagine them ending Roman's streak, which is now over 500 days, by having him get screwed out of the title at the Rumble. Now, they could, but it just doesn't feel like something they would do in their booking. And i, I got to be honest, I don't want to see the Rollins character as champion. Yeah, I think he's fine as a contender. There's just something missing where he doesn't feel like that guy that should hold the championship. Do you want to see him do more um, maniacal laughing, though? Well, I'm, I, I'm going to get that whether I want it or not. Let's face it. <laughs> he doesn't even know what the character is. I mean, he said as much. This episode is brought to you by Allianz Travel Insurance. Are you planning two or more trips in the next 365 days? An all-trips annual travel insurance plan can protect all your adventures for less. Get a quote at AllianzTravelInsurance.com. Yeah, I mean, but that was quite the intro to, like, we're sitting there at SmackDown at the end, and Roman just stands up out of his chair and has this look, and there's Seth Rollins, and he just does this maniacal laugh while Roman rolls his eyes. I believe that's a cackle that Seth does. That is a cackle. That's exactly what it is. It's amazing. (laughs) I like that word, (laughs) cackle. So we are running up against the clock, but I do want to give you a chance to uh, talk a little bit about this MLW antitrust lawsuit uh, that they filed against WWE. It's going to be a big topic of conversation when Jake Barnett and I get together for .NET Weekly on Friday. Uh, but you've had a chance to kind of, uh, I know you, I kind of sent it to you late, but you've seen the basics of the lawsuit itself. You've seen the press release. You know the story. What's your take on all of this? If there really is something there, it, it could be in a lot for the wrestling business. But knowing the way that WWE handles lawsuits, I wonder if MLW really has a chance against this big Goliath because WWE has very cheap pockets. Are they going to try to like string this along and bury them in paperwork? And are the courts going to see it the way that MLW is looking at it? Because I know part of this, you know, is, you know, MLW is saying that, you know, WWE has cost them business when it comes to Vice, has used their intellectual property in having a wrestler that's under contract from MLW showing some of their content on WWE programming and then violating antitrust acts. And as part of the lawsuit, they talk about how WWE has dominated the market, you know, and basically has a monopoly. And for that, I would say, well, AEW is doing pretty good. Um, so I don't know about that when it comes to you know monopolizing the market. Um, we all know that you know they're the biggest company far and away. Some some of the language that's in this thing, I I kind of wondered about. I understand it's a lawsuit and you're trying to paint things and in, in, you know to help your argument, but some of the language in here I thought was. You know, well, maybe it's a little questionable. I mean, I'm I'm no legal expert, so I don't know. I mean, they, they actually put in here about uh, you know, WWE's decline in popularity, and and there's some different terms that are like that in there. And I was like, okay, you're gonna put that there. So, I I I really wonder how serious the courts are gonna look at this case. You know, and is there really something here? Because if there is, especially when it comes to the way that WWE has dominated this marketplace then it could be something that could have some bigger effects when it comes to the overall landscape of the wrestling you know, industry. But I'm, I'm not 
100% certain that that's going to be the case. If there, so my, my quick assumption, like I said, Jake and I will really break this down on Friday. My quick assumption is that if there is some there there to this lawsuit, if WWE did some of the things they're accused of, this won't make it to the courtroom. This will just be settled out of court. Sure. And... I mean the yeah, like I said, we'll I'll spend a lot of time talking with Jake about because there I don't I don't want to kind of get into it and then leave a lot of things out. Right. Uh, but I wanted to give you a chance just to comment briefly on it, and then we're going to close today with the most. Oh, important... by the way, what, yeah. can I can I tell you one thing about the lawsuit that I thought was very funny? Sure. The first line in the preliminary statement: This action arises out of the egregious efforts of professional wrestling company WWE. <laughs> I was like, no, they're sports entertainment. Don't you call them that. <laughs> right there. Vince was like, well, we're going to settle. As soon as he read that line, no, we're not. Get that guy. Ah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one to follow. And, uh, I mean, this, look, some of the, the, the contract stuff where, you know, the, the idea of perceived contract tampering and all that, I think every company does it. You know, I really do. And it doesn't mean it's right. doesn't mean it's going to, you know, a court is going to take issue with it, of course. But it's, does it surprise me when I hear stories like this? God, no. <laughs> that part, uh, no. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to, to breaking that all down. That could be dragged out a little bit and end up getting settled out of court, like you said. But, um, like I said, I'm no legal expert, so we'll see where this goes. But you are an expert on the Chicago Bears, and your team is now without a general manager and without a head coach. And I know from talking to you, well, the last couple of seasons, this is a happy moment for you. Oh, beloved moment. I mean, not only did they finally get rid of the head coach, and I've been I've been hoping for this time for, like, the last couple of seasons. This isn't, like, a new thing. I've been wanting this to happen for years. But... The fact that not only did they get rid of the head coach, but they also got rid of the GM, Ryan Pace. Oh, what a glorious day. I, I was really concerned they were only going to ax the coach and leave the GM. And I was like, no, you, you cannot do that. You have to get rid of both. And, you know, your team did the same thing. And uh, I'm just overjoyed. And um, I'm going to be curious to see who they bring in next. Um, and I will give that person a fair shot. But I'm glad that they have decided to change regimes. Where do you feel like your team's at? Um, and by the way, no more wrestling talk. We're closing with this, folks. <laughs> if you, you hate football talk, check out. I appreciate you listening. But um, are you in the mindset of blow this thing up? I mean, obviously, there's younger core players you're going to keep. Um, is it patch some holes? I mean, that seems to be the Vikings approach, which I am a little bit leery of. Like, yeah, we have a good foundation. I don't know if you can just patch some holes when you have that cousin's contract hanging over your head. Like, what? how are you going to patch any holes with that thing? So they got to sort that out first. But um, with the Bears, are they, you know, plug this hole and this hole and suddenly you're a playoff team? Or is it, eh, let's just kind of you know, get rid of some veterans and start anew? Well, with the NFL, you can turn things around pretty quickly if you have some play, you know, people in the right spots. And I, Unless I you're the Giants. Them- yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, or the Jaguars, I think. Well, maybe the Jaguars. The Jaguars are probably closer than the, the Giants, quite honestly. Yeah, but they have but, hope now, too, because uh, Gettleman quit, and then they finally— it, I don't know what took them so long to figure out, like, all right, if we're getting a new GM, we should get rid of our coach, too. But they finally figured it out. Well, they got to figure out that they need a new quarterback as well? 
Yeah, they, they, I don't mean to pick on the Giants because Lord knows they've had my team's number over the years, but they need a lot of new everything. Yeah, they do. And for the Bears, I wouldn't say it's necessarily just plug a couple of holes, but they, they need to build a little bit more of a foundation. But, I mean, the good thing for them is they believe, and we'll see if this is true, that they've got the quarterback in Justin Fields. And, you know, he was he was banged up throughout the year, and the Bears' offensive line is atrocious. So I don't think we've really got to see how good or the potential there. And, and you know, quarterbacks are typically going to make their biggest leap between seasons one and two and then between two and three if they're really going to be good in this league. So we'll have to see that. Um, the Bears have right now over $40 million in salary cap space, and they could probably create some more. So hopefully they do that, and I would hope that they would spend a lot of it you know, shoring up their offensive line to protect their young quarterback and give them an opportunity. So we'll see where it goes. I, I think they've got some guys um, on defense that uh, will help it where the defense isn't lagging that far behind. I mean, it still needs some help, especially in the secondary. But I don't think they're that far behind. I think, I think there's some hope there. They did win seven games this season, so it's not like they were, you know, atrocious. Um and they, you know they don't they don't have a first round draft pick, you know coming up this year that was part of getting Justin Fields and yeah. trading up for him and the Giants actually have that pick. Um, both don't both New York teams the Giants and the Jets they both have two picks in the top ten maybe yes. in the top eight in the upcoming draft which is crazy. Uh, so I don't think the Bears are that far away, but I mean you got to get a GM in there that makes the right decisions, uh, especially at the top end of the draft, which. Previous one did not, um, especially when going after quarterbacks um, or at least one particular quarterback that um, I don't necessarily want to name, Mitch Rubisky, um, in, in trading up for him. And uh, hopefully they can round out a roster. And I, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, the best place to start that is with your offensive line. Yes. And protect your quarterback. So I'm hoping they make a huge investment in that and they get some guys that really can come together and, you know, secure that part of the team and give Fields a chance. One thing I loved about the Denny Green era, there was a lot to dislike about Denny's run. Um, just the man had an ego, no doubt about that. But he came in and said, we need to you know, basically build the foundation. And you start with that offensive line. And he brought in Corey Stringer and Todd Stussy in drafts. And like, man, what a difference it makes. And unfortunately, my team has just apparently forgotten this over the years because they have a quarterback who is pretty damn good if you give him time. And if he doesn't have time, he folds like a chair. And they just... They keep swinging and missing on anything when it comes to the interior part of the line. I think we finally have a couple of decent, actually, you know, one of them's a very good, Brian O'Neill's a really good right tackle, and we're hoping that Darius will be a good left tackle, but we still have our issues. I think you guys are an easier fix than we are because you have the young quarterback and he's not going to cost you as much. I mean, those, if he's as good as you hope he's going to be, it's not going to take long. You know, you're going to get... You draft him in the first round, so you have that five-year option on him. But realistically, if he's very good, eh, that's not going to matter. They're going to have to pay him soon. So there is kind of a three-year window here where I think you guys can 
really make you know make a splash. It, it, you, you see that with some of the teams that don't have to overpay their quarterback. That you know, they take advantage of that window and load up during that time uh, before they have to start really breaking the bank for that player. I think the Chargers are one of those teams that are going to be able to do that until it's time to pay Justin Herbert. And uh, I, I guess my my last question here about this: Who's on your wish list, GM coach? You know, it's tough to keep up with some of the different names that are out there. You yeah. know, you know, the Colts GM was interested in the job before, um, and the he didn't get that gig. Obviously, well, I, I can't remember if it's the GM or their assistant GM, but he's a guy that that I would look at. There's another guy that's I believe is the um, in charge of scouting for the Cleveland Browns. I think would be you know another name to look at it's it just depends on where the bears want to look do they want somebody that has experience in there or they're looking for somebody that's kind of like this young up-and-comer you know that's got a fresh look on things and maybe utilizes analytics a little bit more but i i, I mean the biggest thing to me is like i know that if you cast a wide net they're interviewing a lot of different people for gm and a lot of different people for head coach i would hope that they would hire the gm first so that person can have some say yes in, coaching um but also you want to find two personalities that you feel can mesh together because if the gm and the coach are not on the same page then you are destined for failure and we just saw that down in miami with brian flores and and their ownership and their gm Uh, and go back to uh harbaugh and belke in san francisco they had a really good team that went to the super bowl and and probably should have won the damn thing and then those two personalities just didn't mesh and i mean same thing happened in a, in a way with you know d- different dynamic with it being the team owner but look how long you know jerry jones and jimmy johnson feuded and think of what might have been there had they been able to get along even longer than they did absolutely but you mentioned harbaugh and he's somebody that i hope does not end up being the head coach of the bears i don't think that's going to happen i know that was a name that was thrown out there i i don't think it's going to happen but there's a lot of different names that are out there when it comes to who the Bears are talking to between like Brian Flores, who's just the head coach of the Dolphins, or uh, Doug Peterson, who a couple of years ago was the head coach of the, uh, the Eagles. You know, you've got coordinators with the, the Bills, um, both offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, the there, There's a lot of different names. Dan Quinn is somebody that I hope they don't hire. I think he's yeah, going to but you know, you know, the talk is that Dan Quinn already has a whole staff ready, and you know, like he's hot to trot. Like he's and his and his staff is like just really good staff. So you know, wherever he's going to interview, like, hey, look at what I got! Boom, let's go! You know, um, the Bears are also interviewing the Packers offensive coordinator, who's I can't remember his name, but he's only forty-two years old. Um, so he's another guy that people think like, oh, he's a good name and you'll know, get his first opportunity to beat something. But that would also be kind of like the same thing they just did with Matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator at the Chiefs before he got the Bears head coaching job. So is that the direction they want to go? Eh, we'll see. And well, Brian, anything you get a plug on your way out the door? Make it quick because my dog is telling me it's time. Yeah, I mean, if anybody just wants to follow me on social media, you know, I'm on Twitter. It's at Brian Fritz. I'm on uh Instagram, it's Brian Fritz. Actually, I don't do that much on IG, quite honestly. But um, but people can follow me there. And um, I know I don't really do too much when it comes to wrestling these days, other than hopefully come on here and talk with uh, you about it, Jason. But um, 
for anybody that wants uh, help with their podcast, hey, I'm a professional podcast producer. You can follow me on Twitter there, or you can go to um, at poddoneright. You can go to podcastingdoneright.com. And if you need help making your podcast sound as good as possible, hit me up. I'm your guy. It's Brian with an I when you follow him on Twitter at Brian Fritz. Follow me and the brand at Pro Wrestling Net. Many thanks to Brian for joining me this week, and thank you all for listening. Stop back and we'll do it again right here next week. On the boom.